Welcome into the Harvest Friends. We are here to build a community that helps you live out your faith in the everyday places of life. And what's unique about us is that we're trying to do the same thing every single day. So we hope to help you do the same. I am your host, Lakeith. And if you're a loyal listener, you know that today is different because usually either Abby or Andrew is hosting the show. So what we want to try to do is monthly, we'll switch up the host to bring you a different voice. And if you're like me and you're wondering, did Lakeith volunteer because it's February and it's Black History Month? <laughs> Precisely. That is it. Yes, that is why I am here. So we have an amazing show lined up. Uh, we're going to be talking about worship uh, because that topic comes up a lot and why more intentional communities like ours uh, seem not to value it as much. So Abby, Andrew, how you guys doing today? Doing good, man. And you're making history. You're, making you're hosting exactly. the show. Let's so go, here, man. Let's go. How appropriate. <laughs> we are in February 2000. Abby, if you call me TB12, I will not be offended, okay? I will not be offended, all right? Okay. <laughs> Abby, are you tracking with, are you tracking with TB12? Because... Cindy and I were talking about no. that earlier, and she no. had no idea what I was yeah. talking about. Tom Brady. What are we Tom, talking about? Tom Brady, number oh, twelve. Okay. Yeah. So. We're talking like, about. You see on my face, like I looked like I knew what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about TB12 getting his SB7 ring. Yeah, it's pretty. pretty Just impressive. happened. And uh, I know we're doing a you know pandemic and everything, but did you guys get to to watch the game, Andrew? I know you did because we watched this together. Abby, did you watch the game? No, that would be a big, strong no. Big, strong no. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're not supposed to have parties right now, so we're, like, very rule-abiding. Normally, I just show up for the party, and mm. since there was no party, there was no showing up in any way. Um, yeah. My kids watched a movie, so that was how we jammed it out. And see, Keith and Steph did have a party, and mm. Keith, Keith has become a uh, smoking connoisseur. Um, meaning cooking. He's of he, meat. Yeah. Yes. So he made <laughs> he made wings and he even made smoked macaroni and cheese. It's pretty which fun. I didn't know it was possible, but it was pretty amazing. See, I'll take TB12, but I, smoking connoisseur that might be a little bit too much, man. I uh, I have been dabbling in it. It's been pretty fun. We had a get together. I wouldn't say it was a party, you know, not too many people came. Sure. Yeah. Andrew came and he shared his testimony during halftime instead of watching the, the show, you know, because that's kind of how we do it. But it was really cool. So uh, let's get started. We're going to get started with a listener question. So if you're listening to this podcast on the daily and you want to ask us a question, go ahead and submit it to us through uh, info at intotheharvest.com. Or is it .org? Sorry, .org. .org. Yeah, you or can you can email us there. You can email it. You can send it on Facebook, IG, YouTube. We got it all. So if you got a question, we will try to have an answer. But this question comes in from Ashley Time. Is it, is it pronounced? Timmy. Okay, see, look, I'm already, I'm already messing that up. All right, but the question is, what are some tips for how to reach out to someone in a different season of life, i.e. married women, uh, make sure they're reaching out to single ladies as well? So her question is about uh, reaching out when the season of life looks different. And um, yeah, I think that's a huge question. So uh, Abby, I'll let you take a stab at that first. What do you think? Thank you. (laughs) No problem. No problem. Uh, (laughs) This is a great question. And I think if you have a pretty diverse community um, of just people in different seasons of life, then this will come up. 
Um, I think the best way to handle this is just having lots of opportunity for communication about the seasons of life that you're in and the needs that you find in your season and maybe the blessings. Um, I was recently chatting with um, a single friend and she actually said, like, it would be great if we got together and did kind of a share, a share session. That's hard to say. Um, where we talk about like what is on our heart in the season, like what's hard, what's not hard. And that way everyone can hear each other. And I thought that was really awesome. Um, and it is funny because if you are married, then you can assume that at one point you were single and you should maybe remember what that's like. But honestly, you forget sometimes, like you forget the struggles that they're facing. And then obviously a single person probably doesn't know what it's like to have, you know, however many small children or a husband or whatever. So um, I think that having an open communication where we ask each other really intentional questions about the season that hmm. the other person is in and see what their needs are and not assume that we know is really key. Um, I think I tend to fall into the, I know it's, I know what they're dealing with. Um, and just assuming that I can help them and whatever that is. Um, but instead really asking good questions and really listening. So I think that's probably really key, um, in having those good back and forth between seasons of life. What do you guys think? Coming in hot. I mean, that was real good. I, uh, my father-in-law, Ron Jay, said that I know was someone's famous last word. So uh, I told him I know one time and he kind of checked me with that. But I think that's true. Like uh, assuming that you can relate, you know, it's always uh, can be tricky. So I think a good alternative is to listen and uh, to hear the person out to try to understand their struggles. I think for me, um, observing my wife uh, with the two kiddos and then having a small uh, little child, a uh, little baby uh, and seeing her try to make an impact still in the community. It just looks way different now that we got more kids and that life slowed down for us. But it, it's made me appreciate her gifts because she's able to talk to people and communicate with ladies uh, in a way that I can't. Like, I don't have that same gifting. I'm not wired that way. And she's able to relate to them because she's in a similar season. Um, so it, it almost has, has made me appreciate uh, where she's at and, and grateful for the season we're in because... Her impact looks different, but it's still effective because she has a certain demographic that she can reach out to that I can't. So uh, it's really, in my opinion, like highlighted her strength. So, but what about you, Andrew? What do you think? Well, I love this question. I do think it's a real issue. Um, a few quick thoughts. One is that discipleship and disciple making, they're always meant to be generational. So there should be people in different seasons of life um, just that should be the norm for disciple making. And maybe in the modern world, we've, we've started to really segment out different groups of people. So you've got the singles group and you've got the, the married without kids, the married with kids, the seniors. And, uh, we sort of taken this approach in the, the American church, I would say in the past maybe 30 to 50 years where we do segment out by age and demographic and season of life. But uh, biblically, I think it's supposed to be a very diverse community that we're a part of. And um, this question specifically, reaching out to single uh, women in particular, I do think is is maybe there's a bigger jump, is my observation, mm -hmm. between single and married men mm -hmm. and uh, single and married women. And, and children are one of the, the biggest differences there. So one thing I would say, and this isn't exhaustive, but... I know my wife has uh, encouraged women, uh, married women with children before, 
uh, especially if there's a, a mixed group where maybe you have several uh, moms who are present, but also one or more single women, um, it's very easy for the conversation to really be dominated by child rearing. Um, and so just being aware that there are some, some women there who don't have kids, uh, that they can sometimes be left out of the conversation just because that's, that's such a uh, front and center concern. And uh, for, for moms, a lot of moms, especially with young children. Um, so just being aware that there is a difference there and, and trying to engage uh, conversations in a way that isn't just about the kids. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think single people really benefit and enjoy being around a healthy family. So um, especially since fewer and fewer people grow up in um, a healthy family setting, if you have that, that's a huge part of uh, benefiting others just by letting them, bringing them into that environment. So uh, I also don't think that you have to necessarily cater everything to uh, a single person. I think bringing them into uh, a healthy, stable family environment is a part of making disciples. And and so uh, just trying to have that balance, I guess, between being aware yeah. of, uh, of the distinctions, but also inviting people in. But it's a great question by Ashley, and it's it's definitely one that, that I've seen be real, a real challenge in disciple making. Yeah, I love that. And uh, just to add on to what you guys have already said, just embrace your season. Um, I think that's big. And Andrew, I can attest to what you were saying about your wife and observing Cindy and living with the Strouds was super helpful for me because there were things that I could learn from Cindy just by watching her that uh, that were different from what I was getting from Andrew. And um, those will impact my life uh, for the rest of my time on earth. Like it was it was that impactful. So uh, you think of Paul and when he was in jail uh, throughout so much of the New Testament, like his demographic were jailbirds, you know, like he could reach out to the guards and the people in jail, like, and uh, he thrived in that, in that environment. But I, I think it was because he embraced that season he was in. So um, I would say, don't overthinking, like, it's going to change. Like you're going to be here and you're going to be there, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess embrace it and, and let God work through it. So great question, uh, question, Ashley. Sorry for messing up your name a little bit. I hope you forgive me, but you had an awesome question and I was looking through the notes. You had a couple of them. So thank you. Uh, please keep submitting those questions. We will try to make it a part of our show uh, weekly. So uh, yeah, don't be shy about those questions. All right, guys, for our main topic, let's talk about worship. Uh, I love this question and I love this topic because we've all been in a part of intentional ministries and really missional communities. And uh, one of our critiques or criticisms is that we don't put an emphasis on uh, worship and more specifically singing and, and praise. Um, funny story for me, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, but I actually ended up going to church on the west side of Chicago I went to uh, Greater Mount Zion New Baptist Church, and uh, at, there we sang a lot of gospel. Like that was that was the thing growing up. What I didn't realize is that gospel music was not the gospel. So when somebody explained to me that <laughs> there was actual like there was a, a thing called the gospel, I was like, man, I was like, yeah, I know that. That's music, man. Like, come on, like. But uh, yeah, it was it was very enlightening for me to to get uh, educated on that one. So, um, Andrew, we've been fortunate enough to partner with each other over the years, and this topic has come up a lot. So, uh, yeah, we'll let you tackle it first. But what do you think about us not putting as much emphasis on singing and uh, worship? Yeah, I think this is definitely something that's come up a lot of times in, in our smaller, more informal gatherings. Um, 
whether they're on Sunday morning or at some other time during the week, the question will often come up like, hey, why don't we do more praise and worship? And I think there's a, a few reasons for this. We probably won't be able to explore all of them. Um, one is is what I would say, what I might call the the professionalization of of our idea of what it means to worship. So if you don't have the praise team and you don't have the worship leader and, and you don't have like this really um, professional sounding group or even just great singers, then um, then you don't have worship. So that, that's one thing is is um, we're trying to to go back to the heart of worship, which is not something that requires a, a professional band um, or I would say even a highly talented band or even a band. <laughs> so that's one thing is, um, is I think we have to, we have to see what the Bible actually describes as worship um, and a, a distinction between praise and worship, because those have often been, um, you know, uh, pressed together as if they're one and the same, uh, even though they're connected. Um, another thing that I would say is, is that we have, um, we're probably reacting to an overemphasis on the emotional side of, of praise music and modern day uh, praise and worship music, where um, it's more about creating an atmosphere and a feeling uh, within the people who are participating versus really instructing people and directing them towards God. Hmm. And so we want to make sure that the worship that we engage in as a gathering of believers in our churches um, really does direct our attention to God and really does exalt him, uh, not just exalt us, which is really, it's tricky. It's something that can easily happen that we can engage in praise and worship music and be drawn to it because of how it makes us feel. Mm. But that is not what the heart of worship is about. The heart of worship is about exalting God and declaring his, his honor, his worth. Um, and you can do that with singing so we're not saying that you shouldn't sing, but I do think that we're probably trying to counteract what we see in the larger church culture. Yeah. So here at Enter the Harvest, we will never, and I mean, never start a band. So if you're looking forward to that, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think uh, I do agree with everything you said, Andrew. Um, but I, I do feel, I guess, the need to take ownership and say, yeah, we, we could do a better job at making sure people uh, have that, you know, um, you know, be a need or be something that uh, it's involved in our fellowship. Because if you grew up with that and that was a way you related to God and to his people, um, it does, does make sense to uh, to have that be a part of what right. we do. But I love what Andrew is saying. Like we have to keep it in perspective and kind of go back to the what it means to worship God biblically. And um, I think that's easier said than done. So if you have suggestions or like, you know, feedback for communities like ours because uh, you might have a perspective that we don't have and uh, we need we need it to be honest so I think something that we've tried to do uh, there'll be some newcomers coming to like our Sunday morning gathering or just kind of jumping in with our community and they feel very strongly about singing and uh, praise music and uh, eventually we'll cave we'll give into it and we're like all right you're right like let's go for it and those people don't stick around, you know, so like uh, maybe we weren't scratching the itch. Like maybe our band just didn't, uh, we didn't make a band, you know, but uh, like we really, we really tried. So I think um, 
along with the ownership, I would also say like, hey, uh, Angle say cut us some slack, but you know, be understanding, like be committed to that community, regardless of uh, if they're if they're not really hitting that mark. But uh, Abby, what about you? What do you think is uh, what do you think about this question right here? Well, it's definitely hit us right on the nail, right? And it kind of makes me feel good to know that, you know, you guys in San Diego are dealing with the same things that we are here in Texas. This is just like an ongoing house church, like small gathering problem like that you face. Um, so if you out there are trying to gather in your home and you're also feeling this, then just know we're all with you. Um, so I, so I was, I was just happy to see it come through. Like when you sent me the text, Keith, this is what we were talking about. You guys, just yesterday, um, we had church and we were had, had half of our, our um, church people were on Zoom and half were in person. Um, <laughs> my sweet husband was the tech guy and he had figured out how to play the song like by sharing his screen with those on the screen. And then he muted us so that they couldn't hear us singing and then it muted completely for them. So they were just seeing the picture and it was the hottest of messes. <laughs> <laughs> I was then, um, I, no one was worshipful by the way. Like, I don't think anyone felt worshipful in the moment and it was hilarious. And I said, thank you to all of them. And I said, thank you because I have content for tomorrow's podcast, which is what, it's about. <laughs> um, so I tell you that story just to say that I think they're really, we can try hard to like make it look like a traditional church. And I don't even think that's wrong either. I don't think what we were, our heart was doing yesterday was wrong. Cause what the song we were wanting, it was an old hymn. It had really great words. I mean, I think we could have been very worshipful. Um, all that to say, um, it can be hard to translate what we have all grown up with in church into a small gathering. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably best for us to just throw it all out the window. Um, 2020 probably did the best job with this because even those that had rock star musicians in their midst, like you were just gifted with like an amazing guitarist or for a little while we had this, this chick in our church, shout out to Christina. She could harmonize with anybody and she wow. like brought us up a whole level. Wow. Um, but then, you know, the army moved her away. But all that to say, even if you have gifted people, 2020 made it impossible because of, you know, having to do Zoom churches and all the kinds of craziness that we're involved in. And I really am thankful for that because in that process, we stopped trying to be like traditional church and we really did have to look back at what it really meant. Like Andrew was saying, you know, biblically, what is worship and what, how do we get into that space of being worshipful of the Lord? Um, so we had to ask us like those questions and we have done a lot of reading out loud of the mm. Psalms, like a ton this year, like, wow, never been so grateful for David and Solomon and all the, all the yeah. Psalm writers. Um, and we've even done some like fun, re like reading as a body. So like everyone will like repeat certain parts and it mm. kind of adds that like element of corporate worship. Um, it's been really sweet, I think personally. Um, and this is coming from someone, by the way, I love worship music. I love me some jams. I don't, we didn't talk about how each of us felt about worship music. I'm going to guess, I'm going to go ahead and guess. And then you guys can tell me, Andrew could care less. He doesn't care about it at all. <laughs> and I think Keith 
growing up with the gospel background, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm going to say that he likes music, but he doesn't necessarily need it in church. So that's what I'm going to guess. You guys will get to you in a second. But (laughs) I personally had to come a long way. Like I had to learn to do that on my own with worship music, like just me and Jesus in the worship music. Um, I had to learn how to make that part of our time together as a body. I had to learn to like have a bazillion children interrupting. I had to, that, that was all adjustment. And I, so I think my final answer is that it's going to look maybe of all the things about house church, this is the one that's going to look the most different, hmm. like buckle up. It's going to be, <laughs> we are not going to be able to pull this one off. guys. No. <laughs> so anyway, did I get it right? I want to know. <laughs> I like good music. If it's, if it happens to be Christian, I, I would say that a lot of what I hear, a lot of the modern, like I'll get in the car and Cindy's got the local oh, Christian man radio station on and it it doesn't do it for me most of it does not do it for me but every now and then there's a great there's a great song on there so yeah bad company corrupts good morals so uh, yeah andrew he's broke me guys he's broken me no i'm just kidding i do want to give a shout out to our small praise team on sunday i think yeah. they've really done a good job and justin man justin taylor you I do didn't know how to play the guitar a year ago and now he can literally lead us through a song so impressive um yeah i, I want to say you know the question i like the way you phrased the question originally mm-hmm. and we may be giving the wrong impression the question is you know why do more missional type communities like the ones we've been involved with seem like they don't value praise and worship music mm-hmm. and i think that's really the issue is it's yeah. not that we don't engage in it okay. it's just that we don't place the same emphasis on it right that many people are accustomed to. And so it seems like we don't value it, but we've had, Abby, we've had flutes, we've had uh, <gasps> guitars, guitars, we've uh, had uh, pianos, and we know. have had bagpipes. Bagpipes, no joke, so no joke. It's not that we don't <laughs> have out. music in our gatherings. Wow. We've gone a cappella. Wow. Yeah, we've, we try. So now I'm not saying it always sounds good, but we have had all of those sure. things and so it's not that we don't engage in singing. Um, we don't always, but um, we're not opposed to it. It's just that most people experience it as a lower emphasis and value yeah. than maybe what they're used to. In the middle of breaking history right here, I want to be a good host. So for the sake of time, we're going to move on to that next question. So rapid fire, what is worship? Like what is biblical worship, guys? And Abby, we'll start with you. What is biblical worship? Um, well, I would say, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but biblical worship is really being purposeful and coming before God and worshiping him for who he is, aside from like the what's going on around us. So even if we're in like a really hard emotional place, we should still um, hopefully be able to find a place of worship. And that really requires the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So I would say the worship, true biblical worship is going to require the Holy Spirit to be a part of our time. And it's a really, really should be focused on God and who he is. Hmm. Um, it should have very little to do with us. Um, so I think that that is biblical worship to me anyway. Yeah, yeah, I like that definition. Andrew, how about you, man? I'll try to go last. So my my quick definition of worship would be um, <clears throat> directing our attention and building our lives around God. 
And so we can, you can worship on an individual level. In fact, we're, we're called, you know, to, to, in everything we do worship God, you know, Romans 12 talks about that, Mm -hmm. um, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this is your acceptable form of worship. Uh, Paul talks about that in first Corinthians 10, um, let everything you do be done to the glory of God. So worship is something that should be happening 24-7. But when we come together as a body of believers and we choose to worship God, it means that we're making a special effort to direct our attention to Him and to build our gathering around Him. And I, I think we're worshiping biblically when we do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I uh, don't have much to add on that, except for uh, just thinking about Jesus and Luke 4. It's a, it's a weird passage to choose for worship. But uh, what the enemy was essentially asking him to do was to worship him. Like, hey, if you fall down and worship me, mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll give you all of this stuff. And uh, we know that uh, God was able to give it to Jesus and was going to, but Jesus had to go about it in obedience to God. Uh, so that was just really striking for me to think about. Like, wow, like Satan was asking Jesus to to worship him in that moment. What did that look like? What did he want him to do? Like. I don't think he would want him to to break out a song towards him. You know, like I think it was much more than that. Like I really do with all my heart. Like I think that was a lot more tied to that. So uh, biblical worship does look different uh, than what we see today. Uh, it kind of reminds me of my story about the gospel. Like for a long time, I was convinced that the gospel was a form of music, you know. So uh, thank God for him being able to teach us in those moments. But last question, guys, how have you seen worship play out in your life? And uh yeah, where have you seen this show up uh, in your personal life and walk with God? Well, I'll, I'll jump in on this one first. Um, we're actually going through the book of Ephesians um, during our Sunday gathering right now. And I was really struck by these verses from Ephesians chapter 5. He tells us to be filled with the Spirit, to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to sing and make melody with your heart to the Lord to always give thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And all of those are opportunities to to worship. And so I, I was struck how it says to be filled with the Spirit, hmm. that this is any, it's actually contrasted with getting drunk. <laughs> so that's interesting to me is that, you know, being filled with the Spirit is something that we're commanded. It's not hmm. something that uh, we hope happens. And just as you have control over getting drunk, like you can actually choose behaviors that lead to getting drunk. You can choose behaviors that lead to you being filled with the spirit. Hmm. And that's really what he begins to describe there. He says, speak to one another in Psalms, Abby, that just what you guys were saying, very biblical, like you're reading the Psalms to one another, um, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So absolutely singing is, is a part of our, our worship. And then always giving thanks for all things. And I actually think that this is kind of the the underrated secret weapon of worship is giving thanks. And mm. so when you make the choice to give thanks to God, whether that's on your in an individual um, basis where you choose to take inventory of life and you offer God thanks, you're worshiping him. Yeah. And when you're with other people, other believers, and you choose to credit God with the good things that are happening in your life and even give thanks to him for the challenges and the setbacks that you're experiencing. That is worship. So Mm -hmm. it's not just a feeling. It's not just uh, singing. 
there are all kinds of ways that we can worship God. And when we do, I think that's kind of the, the secret to becoming filled with the spirit is, is to worship God. Yes. Andrew, I, I, I got to take that, man. I, I love that. Cause I think that's so true. Like some of the times where I've literally felt my whole body and heart and soul, like go to God has been in those moments where I'm literally overwhelmed by his goodness. You know, the psalmist talks a lot about the loving kindness of God. And when you feel that, like you just react, you know? So, um, there was a quote we came up with a couple years ago that says, I'm thankful to God for any circumstances that forces me to pray. So when you're being forced to acknowledge God and uh, give him worth in those moments, like, oh, man, it gets me so much. So there's so much, so much to worship in God. And uh, that can happen when, when we see him doing work in our lives. How about you, Abby? Well, um, I, I'm going to give you two examples. Um, one is like non-singing related and the other is singing related because I do think that we have both. Um, one was in our church during this 2020 time. Um, somebody like we take turns leading that worship portion of our church and whoever was leading at the time, I don't even remember who it was, which is also great, by the way, <laughs> tangent, um, is, that, uh, <laughs> is that they just had as all like rapid fire, just go around and thank God for things in our life. We're supposed to do it really quickly. So it wasn't just like a long monologue, but just like name off the things that we were thankful for. And just being in a group of people and having them all just rapid fire listing off things. Hmm. It was helpful for my heart, just hearing the things that they were thankful for. It helped me be more thankful. Like maybe one of them listed something that I also should be thankful for. And I hadn't even thought of it. And so it was really corporate worship in a really beautiful way, but there was no singing happening. It was just a really sweet time. Once again, saying that when the Holy Spirit shows up, it can be so worshipful and it really right. has nothing to do with what is going on, like musical wise. I've had wonderful worship times with like incredibly gifted musicians. I've also had wonderful worship times with like not so gifted musicians. And then so I think that also is pointing to to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit, because I've been in like little teeny tiny churches where there's like a very out of tune piano and like a bunch of people who really none of us carry a tune super well. And then just like in the middle of an old, like ancient of days hymn, you're just like, oh, this is so good and hmm. so true. And the, and you just feel the words of that, that incredible hymn written by an incredible hymn writer, which usually they're going through something horrible. Hymn writers are always going through True. the worst stuff. True. So all I have to say, um, I really, when thinking about this question, Keith, you know, I was trying to like, what are the best worshipful moments I've had? And really none of them, I mean, some of them were like just gifted musicians who just lead worship really well. Um, and God had given them that gift, which is just wonderful for the body of Christ, but it's not necessary. And I think when we take a step away from that necessary like talent um, and just really focus on, on the Holy Spirit, like really great things happen. So I think those are my two examples. Yeah, that's excellent, Abby. I think that's really good. So for our last uh, segment of the day, we're going to be moving into our faith and culture segment. And uh, I've heard it said that being relatable is not debatable. So we really want to relate to topics and things that are going around today. I made that happy. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we want to talk about things that's, uh, that's going on in the modern world because uh, they are relevant. So for today's question, 
It's uh, you guys remember when the whole stock market thing went crazy with AMC and GameStop, and it got us thinking like uh, how how should believers approach the stock market and long term saving? Like how how should we deal with that? And uh, yeah, how do you see that playing out? So who wants to tackle that first? Oh, I thought you were going to tackle that first. Oh no! All right, I'm up. I'll go. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it could look different for different people. So my first thought was about Paul. Like, doesn't sound like God was going to have Paul saving up for a rainy day. You know, mm-hmm. like he was to make tents and uh, yeah, live off of what he made. And then when the church was able to make contributions to him, yeah, he was to to take that and uh, really go hard for the gospel, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But then you got a guy like Joseph of Arimathea where uh, you can tell he was a very wealthy man, you know, and uh, his tomb ended up going to Jesus to be buried in in a new tomb that never had been touched by men. So uh, for him, it looked different. So I think, um, yeah, this is one you have to wrestle with with God, but I I do think it's okay to to save after you've been generous uh, and faithful to God in your giving. And yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think I would land in, in the same place, Keith. And there's a few verses that have always um, challenged me, and I think that's a good thing. You know, mm. Jesus, you know, for, for one of them is when Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And in that same passage, he says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I think that's, it's undeniable. So uh, if you have no money in the stock market and it um, totally collapses, you don't really care. Uh, your heart isn't there. But if if you have treasure where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If, if you've got a lot of treasure in the stock market mm. and, and it True. collapses, then, you know, your heart, <laughs> you feel that, you know. <laughs> so I think it's um, it's absolutely true that um, we need to be aware of how treasure and finances affects our heart. Because mm. where your treasure is, uh, there your heart will be. But I also agree the flip side of that is that all of us um, work and all of us to a to an extent we save. So every month I've got to pay rent. So, you know, I'm not necessarily spending every dollar I have every day because I know that there are expenses that are coming in the future and I need to be able to meet those expenses. Um, So at, at a base level, I would say there's there's nothing wrong with investing um, whether that's in the stock market or in some other uh, opportunity that you have that's going to pay out hmm. in the future, that's your hope. I think the um, I think the the concern that we need to be alert to is um, what where is my heart at in this? And I know that sounds so vague, oh, but um, I I actually do I try to take stock of that. Like, hey, if if this money zeroed out. Um, is my hope, is my heart in this? Or, or am I simply trying to be a good steward because I'm aware that there are expenses coming in the future and I'm, like in Proverbs with the ant, I'm storing up for winter. Um, and I, when I'm able to say, you know what, if it all went to zero, I don't think I would lose sleep. I, I don't think, I mean, it'd be a bummer, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't think it'd be something that would just like devastate my faith or... Um, I think I would I would be able to say, okay, Lord, there's something else that you've got planned, and I'm okay with that. So uh, I think that heart check is something that I've tried to to put into practice. Um, and then what you said also is is true that there's a priority. So hmm. am I being generous? Am I giving 
um, in the present, or am I just squirreling it all away? That was the um, that was the indictment that Jesus gave the rich man in Luke 16, is that he had stored up his wealth in his barns, but also that he had not been rich toward God. So it wasn't just that he had stored up wealth in his barns. It was that he was not rich toward God. And so uh, be rich toward God and try to save for the future. To me, there's not a conflict there. If you know Andrew well, too, him being bummed uh, kind of moves him into the feeling of tears. You know, not tears, but the feeling <laughs> as, of tears. So, uh, As Abby says, yes, the feeling of tears. Right. Andrew would be like, ooh, I lost everything. <laughs> well, I I don't have much to add. You guys really nailed it, I think. Um, I, I really do think it's all about the heart. Um, for some of us, um, giving is just a part of who you are. I think some people are just really gifted in giving. Um, I like totally married one of those people, which is a great gift to me because mm-hmm. it keeps me on track. Um, I, on the other hand, am like, um, a very responsible saver. And it, it was, I was a, a full on adult when I realized that I always felt like savings accounts were things you put money into and then you like literally never took money. <laughs> like that was how savings were supposed to be. And it like really shook me to the core when you like took money out of savings accounts. Um, I guess I didn't understand how they worked. Um, so all that to say, I really had to do um, a, a check there of my heart that I would often say, like, I totally trust God to take care of us. What I really mm-hmm. meant was I totally trust my ability to save money really well. <laughs> if something mm-hmm. bad happens, we're going to be okay. Um, this really came into play when, um, when Brett got out of the Army. That was a really huge transition for our family because we'd always been in the military and we had that, like, solid military paycheck that always shows up unless the government shuts down. Um, so all I had to say, I, um, I really had to check, was I actually meaning that? Did I mean what I said when I said that I trusted God no matter what? And the Lord has been very kind to me by putting us in many situations over the years where we could not handle things on our own and then we 100% needed God. So I think we do have to honor him by like stewarding what he gives us well and you know and saving and not just like going to target which is my other thing i do so i'm very diverse in nature so those two things together like being um a good steward of what you're given so that you can be generous but then also not putting you know your faith in in that savings account which is basically what you guys just said but maybe i said it not as great. So, waiting oh, as well. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I thought that was great. I thought that was great, Abby. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. If you're like me, you probably spent a lot of time on YouTube, and there's some channels that's putting out some awesome content. But then you come across channels like, how did they get so big? You know. But if you want to be a part of what we're doing, like it starts with people who believe. And what you're doing so uh feel free to share this with somebody else comment uh subscribe to our page i think that would be awesome or you can do it the ancient way and uh word of mouth just share this with somebody and uh we will see you guys in a couple weeks bye guys Bye. thanks for being part of our community if you find this podcast valuable there are many ways you can support it you can review it on itunes stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it You can share it on social media with your friends, or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, 
clicking on the donate link and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible. 